You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Merciful God, who sent thy messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Uh, Gary, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, as Gary's uh, giving us a hand here, I'll a very uh, brief, succinct recap of, of last week. And each of these classes is independent, so if you missed last Sunday, totally not a deal, but... Um, this is, uh, in some ways, this is what I hoped I said last week. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I did. There's, there's a guy, uh, N.T. Wright is a, he's a bishop theologian that said, I uh, went to a conference one time and he was the speaker and it was funny. Um, someone asked him if he had said, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And he said, um, he said, I don't think so, but if I did, I didn't mean it. Um, so it's kind of one of those. It's like, I don't, I don't think I said that, but just in case. So, but anyway... Um, last week, and, and what we're doing is, uh, with this season of Advent, it, it really is, um, it's a season, I think, that, that always uh, speaks to what is the Christian life, because um, there, there's so many different things going on. There's, there's ultimately and finally a message of hope and redemption that's dependent upon God and not upon you and me, that, that God is ultimately, fully, finally bringing um, bringing about his purposes, bringing about a, a good end. God is working redemptively um, in the world, and he's working redemptively in our lives. But it, but it also notes it's, it's a season of light and darkness. Uh, as, as Mark was talking about some this morning, it also recognizes there, there's predators, there's risk, uh, there's danger, there's loss, there's suffering, there's uh, frustration, trials, um, the, there is uh, eschatology, the eschatological longing, which says... You know, while there's so much that's good, there are things that are missing in the world. There's that which is not right. Uh, and it's not just uh, in those people, um, but it's in you and me as well. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Gary Talley. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> but we read last week. Um, uh, we, we read last week. Now you can really hear me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> More than just to, so last week it was Luke 21, and we're going to be in Luke 3 today, but Luke 21, oh, that's perfect, thank you. Um, Luke, Luke 21 uh, spoke to the destruction of the temple uh, and the destruction of Jerusalem and, and the second coming of the Son of Man, that Jesus um, would come again. And we, we reflected, among other things, on, on three things. We reflected on permanence, judgment, and hope, uh, and about permanence. Uh, of course, the the temple was one of the wonders of the world, uh, and uh, how we often seek permanence in things that aren't permanent. Uh, that's the human condition, isn't it? We we long, and and that's not a that's not a bad longing. Uh, honestly, uh, it's just uh, the it's often misplaced. Uh, we we all long for something of permanence, for something of lasting. As I said, that's a that's a good hope. That's a good longing uh, in the human condition. But obviously, in many ways, the people looked to the temple, and of course, the temple um, was destroyed. Something of greater permanence 
was being offered. And Jesus' words in Luke 21, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Um, that we do have something actually of greater permanence than things we can fashion with human hands. Uh, but we also focused upon judgment. Advent talks, uh, we, 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 the, the, the prophets come front and center during um, during the Advent season, not just, uh, but, but often during the Advent season. We're gonna hear from John the Baptist this morning. And when you hear about John the Baptist, What's the, what's the first phrase of when you think about John the Baptist? And you can call it out if you'd like. You brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. Exactly. Who warns you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Uh, even now the axe is laid uh, at the root of the tree. That's right. You, you, you brood of vipers. Or just simply repent. Um, and we'll focus on that some this morning. But last week, again, we talked about true purpose. We talked about judgment. One of the things we talked about is here's the good news. Um, we know that God judges, but we also know the character of the judge. We know the gracious character uh, of the judge. Uh, and that actually, uh, the, the colics and the prefaces before communion during Advent uh, pick up on that theme that when Christ will come again, we will be able to behold him without shame um, or fear. That we will be able to behold God's second coming without shame or fear. That you and I um, can face judgment without shame and fear. That you and I can face death without shame um, or fear. That we might rejoice to behold um, his appearing. Because here's the good news about judgment and that God will be the judge. One of the things we talked about last week. If God is not the judge, who does that lead to be the judge? You and me. Um, and and that, is, uh, that should be a, exactly, you should all grimace. Um, at the thought of, of us being the judge, not that we don't often judge one another. Um, I am, uh, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm married, uh, I have children, um, I live in the world, I know all about the ways we often love to um, judge one another, but the fact that God will judge is good and gracious news because we know the nature and the character of our judge. And then lastly, we talked about hope. Because one of the things that Jesus says in Luke 21 that Luke 21 records is Jesus says, when you see the Son of Man coming, rejoice, rejoice um, to behold his appearing. And, and the word which is used, we noted in Luke 13, is a word which is used and he says, um, stand up straight and lift up your heads. Um, and it's the word, uh, the Greek word which is used is the same word used uh, when there is a woman who is bent double um, and there's a word which Jesus tells her to, to, to rise up uh, and to stand up straight, and she's healed, she's restored. Um, so the ultimate word of hope, that when, um, that when Jesus comes to be our judge, we may without shame or fear rejoice to behold his appearing, because God commands us um, to, to raise up and to lift up our heads uh, because we're clothed in his merits and not our own. And God does not command us to do something that he doesn't also enable us to do. He doesn't, set us, he doesn't set us up for failure. Um, he doesn't set us up for frustration. The things that God commands us to do by the work of God's spirit, he enables us to do. Not perfectly, inevitably, all the things that we do sort of, uh, you know, we, we do sort of uh, haltingly. Um, but uh, so anyway, there you go. Those are, and I was, there's some other things I was going to share, but um, now we're, um, we're, we're getting too much um, end of the time um, for today. Um, and so if you have a Bible with you, uh, Luke chapter 3 is where we will be today. Uh, Luke chapter 3. And again, um, we will be with John the Baptist. Um, and uh, gosh, um, 
there, there, there's so much um, that is great um, in Luke throughout, but also, um, but also leading up. And I'm going to read, um, and I'll, uh, I won't read it all necessarily just one second, but 3, 1 through 22 is where we'll be today. Um, 3, 1 um, through 22. Um, but let me begin with the opening. Uh, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So I stop there um, uh, for, for just a moment. Uh, and one of the things, and, and I'll ask you, I mean, as, as, you, as you hear that, uh, what, what jumps out at you, uh, if, if anything? And you can, you can answer or not, but what jumps out at you as you, as you hear that? The fulfillment of prophecy. The fulfillment of prophecy, yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that God uh, fulfills his promises. That, that God does what God says God will do, um, which um, what what an assurance that is uh, the fulfillment of prophecy. Um, any anything else before I, I have a couple of things to share here. One of the things we see Luke um, conveying to us um, this really happened uh, that that God um, that God comes into history um, that God comes into the world not. Not generically, not theoretically, but specifically, um, that, that Jesus um, came into the world. That John the Baptist um, had his ministry, and he and he puts it specifically um, during a time and a place. Uh, Josephus and other historians of the time uh, record these similar people, record these uh, these various folks that this happened in a time and in a place. That God um, stepped down from eternity, um, and he stepped into our time and into our place that, that God came to seek um, and to say. But one of the things that has always struck me as significant, and some of the other commentators pick up on this as well, um, shockingly, it's not unique to me, um, is, is that um, what a sharp distinction is drawn. Um, we, we hear about um, all the notable people um, and their uh, and their titles and their places, and so uh, you know we, we hear uh, we hear about Caesar and of course uh, his association um, with with Rome, and so not not only the title uh, of Caesar, but um, the significance of a place uh, that he is from and that he represents uh, as well. And of course beyond beyond Rome, uh, basically in, in in their eyes in that time the the world. And we hear about Pontius Pilate, who was the governor of Judea, and, and Herod. We, here of um, Herod the Great's, um, we, we put great in air quotes, um, his three sons that uh, his kingdom was divided um, into three. And we hear, we hear their names in their particular places 
um, mentioned, and the, we hear of the high priest, uh, Annas and Caiaphas. But who did the word of God come to? It came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Uh, we, we, see, we see this tremendous contrast, which is, which is set up. And, and all of us in some way or another uh, would contend, and you're welcome to agree or, or, or disagree with me. Um, we all in some ways long for accomplishments, don't we? Um, we, we, we long um, for titles. We long to be um, known. We long to be recognized. And it's, you know, by, by whatever, whatever means, and it just depends on us, but, but we all have that uh, inherent longing here. But, you know, wonderfully, we hear all these people who are supposedly powerful, um, and, and yet we see um, the word of God doesn't come to them. It comes to John. Uh, and where does it come to John? It comes to John in the wilderness. We hear that he's the son of Zechariah, but <laughs> he, has, he has no title. He doesn't even have a place. Where is he? He's in the wilderness. Um, you know, basically, the word of God comes to John in Timbuktu um, is, is, is what we're told. And here's the, 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 the wonderful, um, fascinating, engaging, uh, scandalous way in which the power of God works. So often um, contrary to the powers of the world. Uh, contrary um, to the structures of the world. We see that the word of God um, is not dependent upon or limited to those. <laughs> the, as, as, as it is said, the wind blows where it will. Um, God's power um, will move. God's uh, limitations uh, uh, aren't there. The limitations that you and I feel are not the limitations that God feels. And the word of God um, comes to John in the wilderness. And when you hear that the word of God comes to, the wilderness, to John in the wilderness, what do we think of when we think of the wilderness? Uh, and, uh, of course, we think about, uh, we th some of you, I don't know, some of you have been thinking about your hunting camp um, or, your, or, your, or, your, or, your, or your farm or something like that. Um, and that's nice, um, but that's not exactly what we're, what we're thinking about in this moment. When, when we hear the wilderness, of course, we think about the people of Israel. Uh, and, and we think about the way um, in which God worked uh, in the wilderness. And this is in some ways um, three headings that I want us to think about today to hang some of these uh, conversations and reflections on. Uh, the, the wilderness for the people um, of Israel obviously was, was a place where they were defined uh, it's a place where they were defined as a people. Uh, and it's often, and you may think this is, uh, is a bit of a stretch, um, but it's, uh, it's typically in our lives in the periods of, of wilderness. Uh, and obviously we can be surrounded by people um, and we can be in populated places. And, but you know what I'm talking about, spiritually and internally you're in the wilderness. It's like there's a lot of people around me um, and there's a lot going on. But what it, what's going on inside me is, is wilderness. Um, it's, you know, it seems like a place of deprivation. Uh, it, it seems like a place um, of need. Um, it seems like a place where there needs to be sustenance and fulfillment that comes from beyond myself. Uh, and so, again, we could be the most urban and urbane person in the world, but we all have some experience of wilderness. But the wilderness was the time and the place in which God uh, worked to shape and fashion his people. And of course, one of the things we think about in the wilderness is God's provision. Um, and God's provision in such a way that they knew it came from God. Uh, and it's not because God um, needs our applause, uh, but God enables us to know his provision that you and I might be strong beyond our context, that you and I might be assured um, beyond our context. Again, it's not because he needs our applause. Um, he's perfectly content without it. 
um, but it's for you and for me. It's by way of revelation for you and for me. But the place of the wilderness was a place of testing for them and, and, and testing um, not in the sense of um, ill will, but testing in the sense of formation. Uh, so testing in that sense, not something, um, not something for us to pass, but, but testing in the sense of the way that God was working and shaping and fashioning them. Uh, and, and ultimately, God's testing is, is for our benefit. Uh, it's, it's not, it's like those wonderful words of the hymn, Fear not, I am with thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Uh, we're, we're, we're tested in order to be strengthened. We're tested in order to be deepened. We're, we're tested really in, in many ways to make us more human and more humane. Um, because without it, we're, we're often less human uh, and, and we're less um, humane without it. So it's a place of testing, it's a place uh, of repentance, and it's a place of grace. Uh, a place of testing, a place of, of repentance. And we'll get into repentance in just a moment. And repentance, gosh, it's such a beautiful, wonderful word that's been robbed uh, and it's been, mis, it's been misrepresented. Um, because in many ways, what repentance, metanoia is the word, which you, which you may or may not be familiar with. But um, uh, repentance uh, refers to turning, um, to, to, to make a turn. And, and I think the challenge, at least the challenge for me for so many years, when I, when I hear that repentance being described as, as, as turning and, and, and to make a turn, is I thought, well, it was up to me, um, which, as you might imagine, didn't really encourage me, um, didn't give me a lot of hope. Like repentance, Craig, depends on you. Um, and I thought, I already know I can't do it. <laughs> it's just like, so when, I, when you think about it, you know, to make, to make a turn, um, no, it's, it's wonderfully graciously. I mean, God is the one who brings about repentance in yours uh, in my life. But, but repentance uh, also, in, in many ways where it's often used and described in it, is, is to change one's mind, uh, to repent. Um, it means to have, um, to have our mind um, changed, uh, to change one's mind. And, that's, uh, and that, that is dramatically different, thinking about it in those particular terms, um, to, have, to have our mind changed about um, our need for God, but also to have our minds changed uh, as well um, about, the, uh, about the character, uh, about the character of God also, um, this opportunity. Um, to, uh, to change our minds about the nature and the character of God uh, and, and our needs. So John comes and, and he's in the wilderness and um, he is calling the people out. And I, and I would say, uh, ultimately, obviously, God is calling, uh, God is calling the people out. Um, they're, 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 being, uh, they're being unsettled uh, in a good way. Uh, and again, when, when God unsettles us, it's a gracious um, un unsettlement. It's, it's in order to move us. Uh, it's in order um, to bring us life um, when we are uh, unsettled. And so the, the, the people are drawn out um, into the wilderness. And John's message um, is, is of one crying um, in the wilderness. So interestingly, uh, uh, y'all, um, during, uh, during the intertestamental period, um, so in between uh, the writings of the Old Testament and the writings of the New Testament, the, 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 the Jews of Jesus' day, um, uh, the people looked for and they longed for, of course, the Redeemer, um, the, one who was, the one who was to come. Uh, so they looked for and they longed for um, the Redeemer. Uh, and there was this expectation uh, on the person of Elijah. 
Um, you remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And some, you know, John the Baptist or one of the prophets or Elijah uh, is, is what they're told. But the people look to Elijah because, of course, what happened to Elijah? He was taken up into heaven, exactly, in the flaming, uh, in the flaming chariot. And so they, they were looking for Elijah um, to come again. Uh, and when Elijah would come again, who would immediately follow? God's usually a pretty good guess um, to those sorts of questions. And yeah, the answer actually is God. Exactly. Uh, the coming of Elijah would be the one to prepare the way. Um, and so the people looked um, for Elijah's return and, and the belief that that would signal um, the, the end of times. Uh, and, and John the Baptist is described um, as Elijah, the one who will come and appear um, before God's coming into the world. And um, I mentioned this last week, uh, a phrase um, that I heard describing John the Baptist as the last of the prophets and the first of the witnesses. The last of the prophets and the first uh, of the witnesses. The one um, who would see and the one who would, um, the one who would proclaim. And, and so all of this going on here in these Advent themes of, of us being uh, alert and awake and, and, and watchful. Um, and so we hear this, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare um, the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh um, shall see the salvation of God. In many ways, that quotation uh, from um, Isaiah and, and, and drawing from the words of Isaiah, that describes the benefits of repentance, uh, or I should say that describes the fruit of repentance in our lives. Uh, when, when God begins to work on us by way of um, testing uh, and shaping and, and fashioning us, uh, it, it opens up um, the movement of God's grace in our lives in such a way that, that things that seemed um, impossible and reconcilable, um, there, there could be movement uh, in those areas. The, 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 the places that were low are brought up. Um, the, place, the places that seemed insurmountable um, are, are brought low. The things um, which are crooked begin to be made straight uh, by, by the work of God and by the grace of God. You and I are able to see um, the, the fruit of that in our lives. And uh, so John goes out, and, and this is kind of interesting as well, um, it, when it describes the territory um, to which he went out, it's the same territory uh, from the book of Genesis when it describes the territory of Lot. Uh, and in the territory of Lot are, are, are the you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Uh, in the territory of Lot. And so, so where um, is John the Baptist going into the wilderness to, to proclaim um, this message of, of good news? It's in that same um, territory. And that should be good news to you and to me. It's saying that God is coming into the world to save sinners. Um, <laughs> those, those, people, um, those people like you and me. Um, we, we hear that we hear that good news. And he said, therefore, to the crowds, this is verse seven, that came out to be baptized to him. You brood of vipers who warns you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to yourself to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down um, and thrown into the fire. Um, is that one that you read before bedtime? 
Um, it's a little something or it's more, more like, it, come unto me all you that are weary and heavy laden and I'll refresh you. It's, that's kind of more the, the, the bedtime reading than, than, this, than this particular one. Um, but, but once again, um, these, these aren't words, uh, these are words of warning rather than words of finality. Um, they're, 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 they're shocking words and they're discomforting words, but again, it's, it's, it's in order as God graciously uh, un, unsettles us. Um, they, they are pruning words. And of course, in John 15, we hear about how Jesus, we hear through Jesus how God prunes and shapes and fashions us. And again, prunes us in order um, that we might grow. Uh, one of the things when I was younger, um, I, I, one of the things I did for a while um, was, you know, not shockingly, was mow the yard. That was one of the, you know, tasks that was, that were assigned to me. And, you know, there was a certain, um, and I did that for some time. And, and then, of course, sometimes when you do things poorly enough, um, they, they put someone else uh, in that position. So I mowed the yard for a while, um, for many years, and then they decided, you know what, we want a better product. Um, and I was uh, moved from that particular, moved from that particular task. But I can remember one time um, next to uh, mom and dad's house, um, I was really thorough. Um, there was this weed, um, and of course, you know, I could have done the weed eater and I could have pulled it up, but I would just mow over it. Um, and amazingly, it kept coming back. Um, and so, it, you know, I'd mow over it and come back and mow, and I thought, well, this will be a little experiment. I'm curious to see what happens, and I'm not exaggerating. It grew into this fantastic fig tree. And where in the world? I mean, I, I don't I have no idea where it came from. Our, our neighbors didn't have fig trees. Um, neither mom nor dad were, you know, were planters. Um, they weren't out there planting um, fig trees. Totally random. This is in uh, this is in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I, I don't know what towns are known for figs, but I don't think of Atlanta um, typically. But right next, but it grew into this literally this sort of two-story um, fig tree, this this magnificent tree, and it was, uh, you know, kind of funny and fascinating to think about this, but, but the reason I, I, I share that with you is I was, of course, inadvertently pruning it, um, and I was testing it, uh, and, and through that it was actually, rather than being destroyed, um, it was getting stronger. Um, and so to say to, to you and to me as well, uh, as we experience the trials and as we experience the testing, it's not to destroy us in, in order to make us stronger. Uh, and, and of course, not only did that tree become stronger, but it, but it bore amazing fruit. Um, I, I'll tell you, I, um, I, you know, honestly, this may seem a little um, extreme, but there are a few things I like more than fresh figs. Uh, I think fresh figs are absolutely um, amazing. But again, and, you know, you can be like, yeah, good for you, Craig. Um, I have other things that I like a lot more, but I think that's, those are about as, as amazing as, uh, as, as anything. But, but that shaping and that fashioning, so we see that John is, is speaking words which, which are shocking, but again, they're spoken lovingly. They're spoken uh, graciously uh, and uh, in, in, order, um, to, in, in order to draw the people out, uh, in order to the, invite them um, to reflection, uh, in order to invite them to engage. And interestingly, as, as we go along, there's a, there's a Greek word that I wanna draw a note to because uh, in its, uh, you know, uh, often in the translations. Um, and as I say this Greek word, uh, let me just say um, what you already know. So I took one year of Greek, um, which, um, uh, which makes me a tremendous expert um, in, 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 in Greek. Just means I have some intense knowledge. Basically what it means is 
Um, I can periodically pronounce it correctly. Um, but anyway, so this, this particular um, Greek word, and it's actually one that's really difficult to pronounce, at least for me. Um, Dialogisasthai uh, is, is the name of it. Uh, and, and part of what I want to invite you to think about during this Advent season and what um, the, the teaching and the preaching of John did, as I say, it was um, unsettling, but at the same time, it, um, people were coming out into the wilderness. Uh, and you don't just go out into the wilderness unless you're really drawn, uh, unless something is captivating you, uh, unless you're hearing something that's actually giving life and encouragement to you. If you're, if you're coming out, something um, is drawing you and you're, and you're hearing something. And, and what he said um, was reaching the people, but what that word means is to consider or ponder thoughtfully. Uh, to consider um, or ponder thoughtfully. And, and oftentimes, words of really deep and abiding truth, words which really remain with us, uh, we, we don't get it all at once. Um, it's not as if we, we read it and then we just have it. Um, we, we hear it um, and, and I have it. It's often something that we need to, we need to dwell on uh, and we need to spend time and to consider um, or to ponder um, thoughtfully is what the people did because uh, John is saying these words and the crowd asked him, what shall we do? What, what shall we do? And, I, and this is a word to you and to me as well because um, interestingly, um, and I, this, I'm not trying to make some sort of um, political statement or otherwise, but, but interestingly, um, at least in this particular moment, um, what, what John the Baptist, he doesn't tell them, go burn it all down. Uh, he doesn't say, go burn it all down, go tear it all down. What he says is, is, is go about um, your life, go about your interactions um, honestly. Uh, go about um, your interactions um, respectfully. Go about your interactions faithfully. Because I think oftentimes we're looking for some grand quest. Uh, and not to say that there aren't those out there. And sometimes we're called to things which are more dramatic. Um, but but listen to what he listen to what he says. What what shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. If you, if you have more than you need, share with those who don't have enough. And and honestly, um, when you think about it, when those things start to happen, that's pretty dramatic. Um, that that's something as simple as that could be pretty dramatic um, in the world um, when when people actually give and share and make an effort for the care and the well being of another person. Um, even, even, uh, even in relationships, um, when, when we do that uh, with people who are close to us, it's, it's dramatic. Um, Paul and I, um, last night, we had a little discussion last night. And, um, you know, unfortunately, she might have been right, um, at least, but in part, um, not, not completely. But when I left this morning, I wanted to leave totally, and I'm like, I'm not going to talk to her um, uh, this morning. But then it's funny, and I thought, you know, you are going to go preach the gospel this morning. So I went in, I gave her a kiss, love you. She said, love you. Uh, it's funny, just little, little things. Let the gospel actually work in your life uh, in, in, ways, in ways large and small. Um, there, there's, a tremendous, there's a tremendous power to that. So it says, you know, for those of you who have more than you need, share with those who are in need. Um, and tax collectors who... And the, the, the Roman tax system, it was, it was set up for graft. I mean, that's you, uh, you made your living and you made your money by overcharging. And that was just set into the, set into the system. That was, um, that was understood. But he tells tax collectors also came to be baptized and said, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Just 
go about your work. But again, don't, uh, don't exploit. Uh, go about it. Go about it honestly. Soldiers also asked him, and, and, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content um, with your wages. It sounds pretty pedestrian, and, and yet um, oftentimes it's a great opportunity for you and me um, to believe the gospel in our lives, which, um, which are baby steps, but are also big steps. Um, uh, there was uh, a guy, uh, Kendall Harmon is a guy, and he did some great teaching years ago on the book of Jeremiah. And in talking about when the people asked uh, Jeremiah and asked God, what, they, what should they do in the Babylonian captivity? You know, what do we do? Um, we're, 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 we're captives here. And, and what was told to them was, well, you know, um, build houses uh, and, 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 get, and get married uh, and, and, plant, and plant gardens um, and, and pray um, for the welfare of the city around you, for in its welfare you will find your welfare which was pretty dramatic, basically saying, you know, pray for your captors um, and for those who are people who are around you. But what Kendall Harmon said about that in his teaching, and again, it remains with me to this day, he said, faithfulness in little things is not a little thing. And so in some ways, that's what John the Baptist is saying. Faithfulness in little things is, is not a little thing. Um, faithfulness in little things can have uh, a tremendous um, impact. And as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I um, is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit um, and with fire. And um, surely he uh, has in mind the words uh, of Malachi. When, it's, when Malachi writes, Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace, says the Lord God Almighty. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Behold, I will send my messenger who will prepare uh, the way before me. Behold, I will send Elijah before that great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Uh, John says quite happily, I'm not him. Um, the one who is coming um, is, is, greater, uh, is greater than I. Uh, the one who, who is to come is greater than I. And we go on and we hear, um, of course, um, with the various um, exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John um, in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you um, I am well pleased. John had the joy of, um, uh, of not worrying uh, about accomplishments. He had the joy about not worrying um, about titles. Um, he, he was able to speak freely um, the truth of God, the grace of God, the gospel of God, even to the point of, of, of imprisonment. Um, uh, he, had that, he had that wonderful freedom uh, knowing the amazing, gracious character of God that he was calling people to. Uh, and that, that gave him a, a meaning and a contentment um, beyond all the, all the titles in the world, um, all the accomplishments um, in the world, he had something which couldn't be taken away from him. Uh, Jesus said, we, we heard this last week, 
God knows the hairs on your head. Uh, even the hairs on your head will not be, um, will not be harmed. This, this knowledge of the amazing uh, and gracious character of God, really quick, I'm gonna tell you a story to conclude. Uh, a buddy of mine um, shared this story. Ah, he's such a great guy. Jim Monroe is his name. And uh, he's been here as a Lenten preacher um, at, at different times. And, um, but he told the story about when he was a little boy, he, had a, uh, he has a sister. Um, and they were coming up the stairs. They were living in Boston at the time, and they were coming up the stairs, and, and they got up um, to the landing of the stairs. And uh, as you might imagine, brothers and sisters, as they're walking up the stairs, are sort of hitting and poking and, you know, uh, you know generally just sort of aggravating and trying to, to harm in ways in which they won't be caught, um, their siblings. And so kind of the typical thing, they're going up, and, and he... Uh, and he, and he hit her, he nudged her, and, and she went to and she went to scream, of course, to get him in trouble. Um, yeah, any of you have siblings uh, are, are familiar um, are familiar with this. Um, and as she went to do this, he said there was a there was a table uh, on the landing, and it was one of those obviously that was not premeditated, but there was bug spray um, on the table. And as she went to scream, he held it up and he sprayed it um, in her mouth. Um, just you know, one of those just horrible, horrible things that. Um, that we would like to say we would never do, but in that moment we we very likely would have done that as well. And and as he said this, his mother um, actually saw this, um, and he and he said she didn't say a word. She just scooped his sister up, went out the door. They only had one car, and she got she uh, flagged someone down, and they went to the hospital. And Jim was left. Um, Jim was left at the house alone. Can you imagine? Um, can you imagine the, 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 just the, the, the terror, the shame, um, all of those feelings and emotions as you're in this house, uh, quiet, um, all, um, all by yourself, knowing full well your guilt, um, and, and, and there he was um, in that particular moment. And then later in the day, his father came home, and he heard his father um, downstairs coming in. As you might imagine, um, he felt this dread um, the day of the Lord was coming, um, as, as you know, as his, his father was home. And again, you know, for it's like this times of life, it's like, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm just guilty, guilty, um, guilty. And as he's told this story, I mean, it just chokes me up. Um, his dad walked into the room and his dad just opened his arms. His dad just opened his arms as he came into the room, didn't say a word to him, and he he ran into his father's. He ran into his father's arms, uh, and this message which John the Baptist uh, brings, this message, this call um, to repentance, uh, is a wonderful word of life. Uh, it's a wonderful word of life because we know the character of our Judge to whom we run, uh, and it's the one who comes uh, and seeks us, who stretches out his arms uh, upon the cross. Uh, that's. He, he unsettles us that we might be drawn um, into that saving embrace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do, um, you do unsettle us in order that we might come into your saving embrace, that we might know um, your gracious care and keeping of us. Enable us to reflect and to ponder uh, on that this day and always, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.